When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. It's Al Cole from CBS Radio, and I want to tell you about a Renaissance woman who excels at everything she puts her innovative mind to. And you know, I'm going to start it out like this. What would you say if I told you that I was going to introduce you to a lady who is a very successful business entrepreneur and a world-class creative force as a realtor, interior designer, hosts charity golf tournaments for wildlife, and is the cutting-edge author of the stunning Magical Forces Within? Well, Al, I'd say makes the introduction, brother. <laughs> I've just been dying to learn some of all of those things from somebody who sounds like a real magnetic lady. <laughs> well... You're in luck because not only can you learn about the fabulous life accomplishments of this woman, whose name happens to be Rhonda Grant, (laughs) but week in and week out, Rhonda will introduce you to some of the most exciting guests on the planet as she hosts her own awesome podcast, The Rhonda Grant Show, on Contact Talk Radio. Week to week, Rhonda skillfully weaves the magical forces within her with the extraordinary discoveries in the sometimes ordinary lives of her guests who blossom before your very eyes through the guidance and know-how of such a skilled and sensitive host as Rhonda Grant. you got to check it out. Check out all the action at RhondaGrantAuthor.com. That's RhondaGrantAuthor.com. Com to witness the extraordinary discoveries in otherwise ordinary lives. And I hear some of you asking right now, well, Al, how do you know all this? <laughs> I'll tell you. It's because I weave some of the same magic on my own nationally syndicated show called People of Distinction. It's all about humanity at its best. Every guest with extraordinary things to say about the magical forces within life itself. Get it? So check them out. The Rhonda Grant Show, Extraordinary Discoveries in Ordinary Lives, and People of Distinction, created by me, Al Cole from CBS Radio, now hosted by my amazing son, Benji Cole. You can check out People of Distinction on Apple Music or email me for exciting updates on my music and my books, too, especially Romance for Women on Amazon. Email me at al at alcoholic.com. You heard me right. That's A L. At a l c o l e h o l i c dot com, and I really want to thank my CBS radio listeners for coming up with that handle, Alcoholic. <laughs> Seems like from day one, my listeners have been saying, "Al, we love what you're doing there, brother." In fact, we're hooked on it. We're alcoholics. So here we go in classic form with a swing of a golf club as she hosts another charity golf tournament for wildlife and another incomparable Rhonda Grant show. So all together, everybody, here's Rhonda. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, and I have many great guests on the show, and I have a great guest coming up. If you've been searching for a deeper meaning in your life, go to Amazon and pick up my book, Magical Forces Within. You know, we're all ordinary people having extraordinary experiences, and we have a fantastic guest on the show today, Holly Cervini, executive coach. 
we are going to find out about her extraordinary experiences. Polly is an executive coach with Called Higher Coaching. She feels called to serve an under-supported segment of our business population, our C-suite and senior executives. As Simon Sinek said, so goes the leader, so goes the culture. So goes the culture, so goes the company. As we support, strengthen, and up-level our leaders, we solidify our businesses and corporations. Holly focuses on elevating how executives lead and live. Her coaching with leaders always begins with the pain points at work, but over time, they move to be intentional, thoughtful, and proactive about every aspect of their life, both at work and at home. So many leaders find that their priorities are out of alignment. Calibrating these priorities and addressing blind spots returns them to a sustainable pace and ultimately allows them to become the heroes of their organizations. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Holly. It's so nice to have you on the show. Thank you, Rhonda. So glad to be here. Thank you. I'd like you to talk to us about the model that you use to help these executives accomplish their goals. Absolutely. I'd be honored. So the umbrella organization that I work with is called Five Capitals. And we have a lot of different tools and frameworks um, and modalities to serve leaders, but our overarching framework is called the five capitals. It's kind of our, like our namesake. And what we've found is there's a way of looking at life as leaders and for our organizations that's super helpful in making sure we're always aligned ideally and prioritized well. So Rhonda, for the individual leader aspect of that, we have um, found that our lives divide into five areas and they are, and usually when I'm talking to somebody one-on-one, I kind of, we play an exercise and we'll give it to them out of order and then they get to put it in what they think is the ideal order. So yeah, we can do it that way for your listeners, or we can just kind of cut to the chase and give them the ideal order right out of the gates. What do you think they would enjoy more? I think the ideal order. Okay, let's do that. Okay. So, okay. So, first of all, the first capital is called spiritual capital. Now, a lot of people have some confusion around that word spiritual. Now, if you're a person with a really defined faith, it's very clear to you. But generally speaking, we de- we define it as having to do with identity and calling. So, identity breaks down to your um, value, worth, and belonging. And calling, of course, is the why, the why behind what we do, that part of what we do that really gets us excited, that makes our heart beat a little bit more quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's spiritual capital. And the second one is relational capital, and that's our tribe. So that's not so much about quantity as it is quality. It's the people that are willing to bring you some food and leave it on your doorstep if you get sick. It's the people that support you when things are really not going well. So that's the, your relational capital. The third area is called physical capital. And that is anything that affects our time or our energy, Rhonda. So Rhonda, all of us have the same amount of time in any given day. But we really vary as to how much Jedi skill set we have for how we manage our time. And also we vary as to how we show up 
in our day based on our energy. And of course, energy often is greatly affected by lifestyle and behavior choices we might make. So the first one was spiritual capital. Then we went to relational and then we went to physical. The fourth is intellectual capital. Rhonda, that's all of our knowledge, our skills, our innovation, our creativity. For many of us, it's how we make our living. It's that all the abilities that kind of point into how we serve our families and how we serve our communities and serve our in our workplaces. And then finally, it's financial capital. And people will say to me, well, does that how much money you have in the bank? And I'm very quickly quick to reassure them that no, actually, it has to do with your stewardship, which means how intentional you are at spending and using the resources you have, and also generosity, how intentional you are about how you share your resources. So that those five capitals are super useful as we work with individual leaders. Most of the time, leaders will be able to identify, okay, I see that and I see how mine are kind of out of alignment. Like for me, with my background, I was raised by a PhD. My mother had her <laughs> master's. So for me, I always know that intellectual capital wants to float up for me. It wants to float up beyond the physical capital, above the relational capital. And I am always aware of that. And I'm always kind of looking at my choices and how I spend my time and what I do in light of that. So what we love about this tool is not only is it helpful for individuals, but it really helps our business leaders. And, you know, that's the group that I really have a passion to serve. And, And those five extrapolate on a business level. So spiritual capital becomes, and all of these have a P in the, in the title. So spiritual capital becomes purpose. And I had this amazing call right before you and I are recording this with a gentleman that I met through LinkedIn. And we talked all about purpose. A lot of times when I'm talking to leaders and I say, okay, why do you do what you do? There's kind of this cosmic hesitation. And then they'll say, basically some variation on the theme of, I want to sell more widgets or sell more services. And I think we're missing something there. And the gentleman Mm -hmm. I'm chatting with earlier today, his company really has purpose figured out. And we had such a great 30 minute chat talking about his journey of recognizing through working with clients. He's an attorney that helps Um, small business owners transition their businesses to kind of who's going to run this next. Um, And it was fascinating hearing his concrete stories of how the purpose piece makes such a radical difference and how he can help people accomplish that succession plan. So purpose is number one. And our purpose has to be clear and it has to be compelling. And in a really healthy culture, Every single person from the HR director down to the janitor knows what the purpose is. And it isn't just selling more widgets. So number one, spiritual capital in the organizational level becomes purpose. Number two is relational capital and it becomes people. How are we taking care of our people? And there are so many leaders out there and so many fabulous quotes that I probably should have pulled up for this conversation and I didn't, that talk about how when we take, I think it was Richard Branson that said this one, which is when we take care of our people and they take care of our clients, it all gets taken care of. So Mm -hmm. taking care of people, um, we find a lot of leaders who aren't good at this. They either run their people into the ground 
with all the burdens and responsibilities they have, or they under challenge people and talented people leave. So that segues beautifully into the third. So physical capital on a corporate level becomes pace. Now with the coaching that I do, I am daily amazed. And this may be partly because of what we've all been through in 2020 and now in 2021 um, in this pandemic season. The next one is called pace. And this is where I spend a lot of time working with people. Talented people get asked to do a lot of things and visionary talented people generate their own ideas of what they want to do next. Rhonda, you're one of those people. You have so many irons in the fire. You've got a lot of vision for your life and for your work. And what we find is they are drinking from the water hose. And when I say to people, especially when I first meet them, can you keep going at this speed for let's say the next five years? there's just this sense of panic and they look at me and their eyes get really big and wide and they realize, no, I can't. In other words, at some point, if I kept going at this pace, no amount of money you might want to pay me would be enough. It's just too much for my quality of life. So pace is that um, third one that becomes the equivalent of physical capital. Then intellectual capital becomes perception. Not crazy about that title. It probably should be possibility, which is that innovation piece. We can all think about companies that kind of got fat and, and comfortable and lazy and didn't really make a safe space for their innovators. And then what happens is, your competition are out running you on the new ideas. So the final one, of course, when you're talking about financial capital in the workplace, it's of course, profitability. And what we find is when companies have leaders that use these five priorities as a plumb line and a guiding force through hiring, through strategic planning, through every aspect of their business, then they land at greater profitability. And we actually designed an assessment. We're all assessment crazy in our world this mm -hmm. nowadays, but, and I personally love the Myers-Briggs. I love the five voices. I love the Enneagram. I love the VIA character strength survey that comes out of our positive psychology researchers, but we designed one um, called the prioritized leader. And it's a really cool assessment that just helps you get a sense of, okay, in light of this ideal order, what are my actual, what is my actual order on an everyday basis? How am I living this out and where could I realign? And we find that when people are aware of where they're out of alignment or not intentionally prioritized and they just gently correct, no crazy overcorrection, but gently correct, a lot of the pain points will naturally resolve. And that's the process, Holly. Yeah, that's a big part. Mm -hmm. In general, because a lot of a lot of people, um, they get a little bit uh, anxious if they think that a person wants to change everything that they're doing to help them realign. But if you say like there's my, there, lots of times it's just minor corrections. Right. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Sure, absolutely. So what we find is, first of all, we leaders are way too hard on ourselves. And one of the gifts of going through assessments is you take it out of that subjective self-critic self-evaluation and operating out of this energy of curiosity and self-compassion, 
we get to see the numbers and the actual data. And what our data generates typically is the realization that, okay, I've got one of these five areas, whether it's on the individual leader or in the corporate, um, those five P's, one I'm doing really well. Like Mm -hmm. that's just kind of a natural superpower for me. Um, Two of them I'm doing, okay, no major correction needed. And typically there's one, maybe two blind spots. And what we and like what are to- those? What are blind spots? So what I mean by that is of those five priorities, they'll find one or two of those five in terms of purpose, people, right. perception, profit, where they right. recognize, oh, this is a blind spot for me. Like I hadn't maybe realized that I need to engage and invest more intentionally in those areas. And our actual, what you get, the report you get when you take our assessment generates and really gives you all that you need to go away and make those changes. Ideally, of course, not to not sell coaching since I'm a coach, mm-hmm. any transformation is more, yeah. quick, more quickly accomplished when you've got support, whether that's an official coach like myself, or whether it's a business colleague or a life partner that wants to walk through. We just human beings, we just do better making changes when we have some support. So like you said, typically we don't need people to do a 180 degree kind of swing. In fact, I'm such a proponent of those, of the concept of atomic habit changes. I think it was James Clear that wrote that book. And also there's another one called Tiny Habits that I have not yet read, but I'm planning to, that Mm -hmm. really show us that smaller changes over time that are sustained lead to exponential results more than Mm -hmm. over swinging. So I love what you pointed out, which is nobody needs to feel like, oh, wow, they're going to tell me everything is wrong. That's just not how the process works. Mm -hmm. Really, we're trying to maximize on where people are resonating. So that's part of the beauty of coaching is unlike consulting, where we come in and say, hey, here's the bad news. In coaching, (laughs) (laughs) coaching, we say, hey, here's what we're noticing. Here's an assessment or here's a process and take a look at what we're finding here. What resonates with you? Because that word resonate is that indicator word of where people are feeling that intrinsic motivation. And so intrinsic versus, of course, extrinsic. And we can use the example. You and I were talking before we started recording about having raising young people, young adults. And we all know to use that example that young adults do better with more of a coach approach with parenting. And when you Notice where they're already feeling a small amount of motivation or interest or they're resonating and you kind of blow the energy and life into that, that is, gets you really great results. When you come Mm -hmm. in with something they're not even aware of that they're completely unmotivated by already. So it's purely extrinsic motivation. All the studies and research show it doesn't really get us to where we want to go as quickly. So we focus on, okay. Here's what we're finding through this assessment, for example, or Mm -hmm. it might be for a coach might say, this is what I'm hearing you say through our conversation and um, what's resonating with you here. And that's always where we start. Well, I mean, this is uh, just wonderful uh, that you're sharing all of this with us. So you have a coaching business. Correct. Right. And it's called higher coaching. Yes. And so when we go back to uh, we were talking about uh, the spiritual part, which is which you had as number one um, in that is called 
Can you talk a little bit more about called, being called, being guided, Um, just to explain a little bit to our listeners what that's like, because sometimes there'll be a listener right now that may be getting wisps of little ideas of what they should do or think they'd be good at. Um, And I think it would be beneficial to talk about around that uh, subject. That's such a great place for us to focus. So I think you're right. I think there are a lot of people who really get nervous when someone asks them, what does your dream look like for the next mm-hmm. three to five years? Like they panic. I think sometimes we think there's this really mysterious and inaccessible, like I picture just like wispy morning fog kind of visual of this mysterious process for determining what our dreams and goals are. And really Mm -hmm. it's not like that. Um, I think it is, I think it's very personality specific. Our creative people might have a certain way to go about that. Our really intuitive people might have a certain way to go about it that's different. But the bottom line is anytime we ask ourselves or ask the universe or ask God or higher power, or even ask the people around us, you know, what do you see in me that's special? What do I, what, what makes my heart go pitter patter? What do I brainstorm about or dream about. And, you know, Rhonda, if we're not having those thoughts and conversations, then maybe your listeners might begin that journey. There is a famous book written. I think it's called the artist way. I wish I could remember. Have you heard of this book? Yes. Um, What she does. I wish I could remember the author's name, but what she is famous for saying is doing something called morning writing. Now, not don't confuse this with bullet journaling or journaling. This is a very interesting approach to finding what's next for me. What she says is basically take a period of time, let's say 10 days, two weeks, a month. And every morning, this is one example of a route you could take that isn't mysterious and is very practical and concrete. And she says, just begin writing. And for her, she does this to spur on creativity. But I think here we're talking about creativity and strategically thinking about what we want and what our calling is and what is our why and what is our purpose or what is our next step. So she says, you just begin to write. Now, for people like me who really invested a lot of time in learning typing, it's very tempting to want to type this out, but there is something special about the handwriting part of the process. There is. Yes, there is. And I wish it wasn't because I love to type. And often I get frustrated because my writing doesn't keep up with my thinking as a person. Yes. There is something about it that constrains your thoughts to the speed that you can write. So what you would do is you would literally just begin to write. And you might even start with, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. It's a beautiful morning. Yesterday was great. I mean, it doesn't even matter. It's setting space and time aside to honor that spiritual part of ourselves that thinks beyond the to-do list and the calendar and the checkbook. But setting space, sacred space for ourselves to dream and to think 
And so you might begin that process. Someone else might decide I'm so relational and I'm so extroverted that I've got to do this by talking and having conversations. And I'm going to schedule a one hour conversation with the top 20 people that are what we call Per, my person, my persons of peace or people of peace. So these are people that trust us. We trust them. It feels like we've known them forever. They want the best for us. They have no agenda for us. Mm-hmm. They know how to listen. They can hold that kind of coaching space where I just get to pour out my heart. They love me and care for me so much. They're willing to receive nothing from this hour, but to give me instead their incredible gift of a listening ear. So that might be another way to go about it, where I'm going to have conversations with these people of peace in my life until I start to get a sense of excitement. And you know, Rhonda, all of our emotions are really vibrations in our body. That's just what they are. And um, they speak to us and they give us these indicators of what's going on. And so when you start to get that little tickle, that little butterfly butterfly flutter of excitement and joy. So Rhonda, that's the kind of moment where, you know, when you land on something, you can picture taking your forearm and just wiping everything off your desk as an illustration of how intrinsically motivated you would be to move into action on this idea. And I would love to talk about the stages of change if we get a chance to on this podcast today, because I think it fits in with what we're covering. But imagine, you know, sometimes people will call you and invite you to something. It doesn't matter what's scheduled. You will make time for it. Uh, I think about myself. So I'm divorced, I'm single, and I've had relationships in my journey where, you know, I think, oh, I can't add one more thing to my life. And then somebody says, some handsome man says, Hey, would you like to go out to dinner? And I will make it happen. Like there's no hesitation, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so yes. think about when we land on our purpose, on our next step, and it's aligned with us and it is the right idea and the right timing with the right motive. It's got to have that purpose piece as part of it. Then we will move into action on it because all of that just adds up to be this incredible burst of momentum. Mm -hmm. Well, it sure does. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by Symatrex. And I'm speaking with the dynamic Holly Cervini, who is an executive coach. How may people contact you, Holly? How may they reach out to you? Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on most social media platforms, either as called higher coaching or Holly Cervini or called higher with coach Holly. Those are my three brands. And you can of course go to my website and I have a couple different access points into that. But the easiest one is www.hollycervini.com. I'll spell Cervini for you. Yes. Yes. So Holly is with a Y and Cervini is C for cat, E R V for Victor. I and for nothing, I. Wonderful. Um, I find um, I, I did uh, years ago uh, work with the artist way that book. It was many years ago. I do not uh, recall the author of that either. 
But with journaling and getting up and doing it every day, no matter how much you write, whether it's one page, one paragraph, or 10 pages, you'll find that when you go back and read that, you'll start revealing yourself to yourself, which is a really excellent exercise. And there's also something else to pay attention to. If one person says, geez, you'd be good at that. And then the next month, somebody else, somebody different also express, expresses that expresses that to you, you might want to pay attention because we have uh, people in our lives who have been put here to recognize these gifts that you might have and, uh, and let you know about them. And so antennas up, everyone, and start paying attention to what people are saying to you and uh, see if it resonates with you and sit with it and write about it if somebody says something really uh, nice uh, to you um, during the day. Uh, Holly, I really do want you to talk about change. Can you talk, you, you mentioned if we did have time, you'd like to talk about that. Absolutely. And I love what you just shared. And I do want to say that while you were speaking, I was able to grab the author of that book so we can give her credit. And that's Julia Cameron. Yes. Yes. And the language I use, and I've heard it's not my original language around what you just described is the sacred echo. So that's when, okay, now wait a minute. Somebody just pointed this out in me and then somebody else did. And then let's say somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn, who does this. And I just stumbled across this book. I mean, it is when we have the antenna up, like you use that visual. I love that. We will see the universe or God or whatever, however you want to phrase it, contributing to this seeking process that we are in. And it is very exciting and very confirming. Um, so I'd love to segue into what you just, um, transitioned us into, which is this trans theoretical model of change, because I have found it to be incredibly helpful for me in my personal life as a professional and in my family life and with the people that I work with. So I learned about this through, um, a certification I did in functional medicine, health coaching, because a part of what I do with the leaders I work with is not just the leadership frameworks, but also helping them with that really dialed in aspect of physical cap, physical capital, which is the lifestyle and behavior choices that we make around how it affects our energy. And, um, so in that process, I learned about this trans theoretical model of change, and it's really interesting. And it's really just vocabulary and language around what we kind of already know is a part of our life experience. So here's what it says. It says that there are five stages of change. Now here, I want to just say heads up. This is for people who want to build a new business, launch their own podcast for somebody who wants to start an exercise program Mm -hmm. and next step that you want to take, no matter how small or how big. So here are the phases we go through. The first one we call pre-contemplation. So that's before we know that we know that we want to make the change. And so I use the slightly unfortunate example, Rhonda, since we're talking about business leadership, a lot of business leaders in our culture slowly over time find that their relationships with alcohol has been like that 
that frog in the boiling water analogy where you start off doing something small and then over time you realize, oh, wow, this has kind of gotten a little bit out of hand. Mm-hmm. So before they recognize, so their spouse and family may be recognizing, wow, their relationship with alcohol has become to get un- become unhealthy before they are aware of it. That means they're in that first stage of pre-contemplation. So they're not even thinking about it yet because it's not even on their radar, but it is there because everybody in their family is recognizing it. So that's a great example of that first stage. The second stage is contemplation. Now we can get stuck in this phase for a very long time. That's when you're kind of in the Wimbledon match where half of you wants to move forward on some specific step. Mm-hmm. And the other half of you is not wanting to move forward yes. either because you need more time to gain the chutzpah to move forward or because perhaps your brain is offering you a bunch of what we call head trash, which is think about it, that analogy of, I want to get out of the cave. So you pack your stuff from the back of the cave. You got it over your shoulder. You're trying to head out of the cave. You're excited about what you see just ahead, the green grass, the sunlight, opportunity to find a different place to kind of make camp. And then as soon as you go to put your foot out of the cave, what does your brain tell you? It says, watch out, wait, there could be predators, you know, all that head trash, because we have evolved to have a lot of powerful self-protection in place for moving forward. So that contemplation phase is where you're really having a conversation between the dreamer in you and the part of you that wants to keep you safe. And so that's that second stage. The third stage is called planning. That's when you're moving out of the cave or about to move out of the cave and you really want to make sure you've got your act together. Okay, what do I need to learn? What do I need to pack? What do I need to do? And then the fourth stage is action. That's when you're moving in. You're actually taking a step, you're making it happen. And then the fifth stage, they call maintenance. That's when that new thing in your world is so established now that it's one of the other spinning plates in your world. But here's the thing I want people to understand is these stages are like the stages of grief in that we weave in and out of them. So we can be in planning, then in action, and then wake up one morning and find out we're back into contemplation. Mm -hmm. And the way to maneuver well between the stages is to not feel like it's just you, because this is the human brain and soul we're talking about. This is our hormones. This is our adrenaline systems, our cortisol. Every part of us is involved in this journey. So don't think it's just you. It is all of us. So no room for shame. I love Brene Brown's work. Shame mutes our intrinsic motivation. So when you notice you're where you are in this journey, the first step for me is, okay, where am I? Where, what stage am I in today? Then having the self-compassion to approach that with curiosity and say, what do I need to get myself back into action? Or if we need to be in planning, back into planning. So having that self-compassion And um, sometimes when we're stuck in this contemplation phase and we're leaning into planning and action, the key for us is support. And sometimes the best support comes from someone who's a couple steps ahead of us Mm -hmm. on the journey we're trying to take. Yes, exactly. 
Well, that's uh, wonderful. Your teaching is incredible. Um, people are going to want to um, listen to this podcast again and get a pen and paper and uh, write all this stuff down. I mean, I've been writing it down. Um, Holly, I want to go back to uh, a personal question to you. Do you feel that you've been called or guided on your journey? Absolutely. I have been guided all the way along my journey. And um, I wish we had four hours for me to give you every one of those spectacular stories. Yes. But um, I, I'm so grateful that I learned pretty young what that inner voice and inner kind of vibration feels like when God is calling me. So for me, I would say Mm -hmm. God, but someone else might not, um, is calling me to what's my next step. And it's so exhilarating to be on that journey. And it's also sometimes really hard because everything, I don't know if you agree with this, but everything I've done in my life that was full of purpose and calling and meaning all the, the things that um, our positive psychologist researchers call PEA, which mm-hmm. is which is positive emotional attractor, it's actually a part of our brain that lights up when we're talking about these big picture things like purpose and calling and meaning. Mm-hmm. And the part of our brain that needs to help us make those big things happen is a totally different part of our brain. But all those PEA areas of my life they've come at a high cost because they require me. They required me to step out of my comfort zone, to learn new skills, to sit with and navigate through a season of imposter syndrome. Yes. (laughs) Very comfortable with reframing failure as not a negative thing that speaks to that identity piece. So I had an example of that. I was asked to do um, a Zoom conference with a big corporation out of state, and it was locked in before the pandemic, and then it got put on hold, and then it got reignited later on. And a part of what I do is also musical, and so not to do with my coaching, a separate role that I have. And, um, and at the last minute I put in cool music as a part of my presentation. And at that point, zoom was new and we were all learning it together. Literally all of us in the business space. And I didn't recognize that music doesn't translate well on zoom. And I, so it ended up clogging up my presentation and I got some negative feedback for it. And very grateful that by then I was very well taught in all my coaching training and on-ramping that Failure is not something to be avoided. It is a, is a necessary part it of the is. process, but it's it hard. So is, but people don't, there's a lot of people that don't understand that they, they think that if they fail, that they're not supposed to do that. And that's, right. uh, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. It's untrue. And we're subscribing to something that's not correct. It's the failure are your lessons and the lessons are what you need in order to take that next next big step forward. And instead of quitting, you need to keep going. Isn't that correct, Holly? Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think when we, but the thing is the emotion that vibrates through our body in that moment where I got the feedback, Hey, great presentation. I found the music distracting, for example. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it is that shame feeling and it is that 
humiliation feeling. And it is yes. kind of, that's part of, and so recognizing, oh, it's that curiosity. Oh, I'm getting those shame and humiliation vibrating vibrations again. That means I'm learning. What I just learned is that music doesn't translate on Zoom and that I need to have somebody, if I ever want to use music, they've got to have somebody sound check it, listen to it, see how it sounds. And so that's just such a simple, small example. But, and the sad thing is, is that when we're flooded with that shame and humiliation, because we have this story that the failure speaks to our identity, which of course we covered found a value, worth and belonging. We, the part of our brain that learns and grows gets shut down and muted. So we miss this amazing opportunity to not only learn something as simple as, oh, music doesn't work on Zoom, but to learn that I can trust the process of my life and journey, that it's going to take me on these highs and these lows. And in the end, the net net line on the line graph is going steadily up. It's just an up, down, one day, down the next kind of, you know, wavelength journey. And so I think that getting really comfortable with what we call failure is really serves us well on this kind of a journey. Yes, it sure does. And, you know, uh, the people that you were speaking with also learned something about music. It does not work on Zoom. And everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to learn music does not work well on Zoom. And so you also have learned something business-wise that is going to help other people as well. I just love the way you articulate everything and simplify things for our listener. Sorry, for our listeners. Um, What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? I love this question. So every year I have a a change in my online password for all of my accounts. Yes. And, um, and I pick a word that really is powerful and meaningful to me. And for one year, years ago, the word I landed on was intentional. And then in my coaching training, so I'm trained through five capitals with leadership, um, leadership frameworks and assessments. And I'm also trained through a company called the life coach school. And I'm also trained on functional medicine, health coaching, but the life coach school has this really powerful concept. And actually they built on the work of a psychology forefather thought leader, Albert Ellis. And what they teach is that, um, we have different aspects of our brain in terms of how it intersects with how we do life. And one of their concepts is we have two parts of our brain. Let's call it the primitive brain and then the wise brain, which is that prefrontal cortex brain. So the primitive brain, we call the toddler brain and the prefrontal cortex, we call the wise brain. And I'll be really concise with this Rhonda for the sake of time, but our toddler brain is much like a toddler has a, has three motivators. One is avoiding pain. Two is seeking pleasure. And three is being very efficient with um, our energy and time. I find it funny that I'm actually using my hands and this is a podcast. It's pretty funny how we do that. Even if we're just, yes. audio. We just do it anyway. <laughs> yes. so, um, and then the prefrontal cortex 
is our wise brain that makes decisions for us in light of our vision and values. Now, I don't mean to speak negatively of one or the other. These are both parts of our wiring. And if your spouse says, hey, I've set aside this day and we're going to play in the nearby town and we're going to have this incredible day, you want some of that toddler energy that's in the moment and knows how to play and have fun. So I'm not disparaging the toddler brain, for all, but for a lot of our life, we want to land in that prefrontal cortex. And this is what I learned that, and keep in mind, I'm already kind of savoring this word intentional and intentionality. And what I learned is the hack to make sure you're operating out of your wise brain prefrontal cortex is done in pre-planning because we all know toddlers don't pre-plan. They're 100% in the moment. And so I started experimenting with a practice of planning ahead, not just in terms of how I manage my time, but in terms of strategic planning for my business, planning for my family, just being intentional at pre-planning so that I knew I was operating out of this wise part of my brain. And it's been this amazing journey for me that has borne so much fruit, some frustration as well, because Mm -hmm. you can plan but that's only 50% of the process. The second is being faithful to following through with the plan. So in the moment, if what you planned requires, for example, a lot of effort because it's new and you're stepping out of the cave, what you get is a lot of head trash from that toddler brain that says, let's do something easier mm-hmm. or let's scroll Facebook or let's scroll LinkedIn or let's whatever your buffering behavior is of choice. So for me, the most powerful thing that's happened to me in the last five years is learning to have this lens up around intentionality and not to be boring or not to be a stick in the mud or not to be overly scholastic, but just to just always be asking myself, am I making this decision in light of my goals and vision and values, or am I just living in the moment? And are there, there are certainly times to do both. But being intentional at utilizing each of those kind of ways of thinking in a way that works for whatever I'm trying to do or achieve. So if it's a day away to play, hey, let's release the toddler brain in full force. And if it's something that's more around planning. So if I'm trying to lose hundred pounds, which I personally am not, but I work with people sometimes who are, that's on their list and they it's, you know, this is very useful to think of what am I going to eat tomorrow? Or if it's somebody who's a really talented visionary leader who struggles with a follow through on their ideas, then it would be, okay, what ideas am I focusing on this week or tomorrow? Instead of, you know, always having that Walt Disney full on brain engaged, think more like, I think his brother's name was Roy. Think more like Roy and be like, what am I going to implement that's concrete in the next steps for me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Holly, we could have a couple hours show here. I mean, you, uh, you have an amazing ability to take uh, things and simplify them and, um, and to help our listeners uh, find their way really is, uh, is what you're doing. Uh, can you tell our guests again, how they may contact you? Absolutely. They can find me, um, the easiest and best way is probably um, on my website, which is www.hollyservini.com. So that's H-O-L-L-Y, C for cat, E-R, V for Victor, I, 
N-I. Thank you. Thank you so much to my extraordinary guest today, Holly Cervini. Uh, you've done a wonderful job uh, sharing uh, many skill sets here and uh, even delving in. Um, I'd like to actually have you even go deeper than what you have done. Um, but it certainly was a, a really good taste of uh, what you're about, what your knowledge is, and uh your sin sincerity of what you do. And I really hope that people do reach out to you and, um, and engage with you uh, in the work that you're doing because you're, you're absolutely fantastic. So I thank you so much, Holly. Thank you, Ron. It is such an honor and pleasure to be on this podcast with you and just to get to know you and to see what you're up to as well. Thank you. Theme song coming up for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water. It's composed and performed by my friend, John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thank you so much for joining in. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. 